But because we have a resurrected Savior, we have a faith that's a living faith. And after Christ resurrected, he appeared to over 500 people before he ascended. And I want to read this in Acts chapter 1 with you. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. And Jesus here appears, and he is speaking to the disciples. Let's just read verse 1 of chapter 1. In the former account which I prepared, O Theophilus, I made a continuous report dealing with all the things which Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he ascended after he, through the Holy Spirit, had instructed and commanded the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross by a series of many convic- convincing demonstrations, appearing to them forty during the 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will establish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know, it is not for you to become acquainted with <clears throat> know what time brings the things and events of time and their definite periods or fixed years and seasons which the Father has appointed by his own choice and authority and personal power. Verse 8, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. And in verse 9, And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, he was caught up, and a cloud received him and carried him away out of their sight. And while they were gazing intently into heaven as he went, behold, two men dressed in white robes suddenly stood beside them, who said, Men of Galilee, who do you stand why do you stand gazing into heaven? The same Jesus who was caught away and lifted up from among you into heaven will return in just the same way in which you saw him go into heaven. And then one other scripture I'd like us to look at is uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 12. Think of the scene here. Jesus is standing here on this hill and he's speaking to his disciples and he's giving his disciples the last great what we call the great commission and he's giving him the la- giving them the last great commands and as he is saying this just as he finished the sentence he is caught up and he is brought into heaven and that speaks volumes to me because the last words of any person on this earth are the words that we remember people by many times, isn't it? Um, these were the, the last words of Christ, and these, these last words were go into all the world. You shall receive power and ability. And then we see Jesus allude to this earlier in his life, before he was crucified, in Luke chapter 19, and he, tells, he gives a parable. And when we compare this parable with 
the ascension of Christ in Acts chapter 1, it makes a lot more sense. He therefore said in verse 12 of, of Luke 19, a certain nobleman went into a, dis a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. And this nobleman here, of course, represents Christ. He is nobility. He is, he is royalty. He goes into a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. And calling ten of his own bondservants, or his, his servants, he gave them ten minas. A mina is, uh, was the currency that day, which equals to about 100 days' wages, or nearly what we would call $20 for 100 days of labor. You thought today's wages were not good. 20 bucks for 100 days of labor? That's what these guys were doing. And he said to them, buy and sell with these while I go and then return. And then re read what here what happens. But his citizens detested him and sent an embassy after him to say, we do not want this man to become ruler over us. And this is what happened to Christ. Christ came into, uh, came into this world and he was detested by some. And, and the very people that he came to his own, they said to him, we, don't, we will not have you rule over us. Then after, after he had, when he returned after receiving the kingdom, in verse 15, he ordered these bondservants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much each one had made by buying and selling. In verse 16, the first one came to him and said, Lord, your mina has made ten additional minas. And he said to him, well done, excellent bondservant. Or in the King James, well done, thou good and faithful servants. Because you have been faithful and trustworthy, and note these words, in a very little thing, you shall have authority over ten cities. Think of that for a moment here. And this is where, I, this, is where this applies to you and I today in this chapel. That Jesus has ascended into heaven. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he ascended giving gifts to men. Every one of us in this room that's a believer has a gift, at least one gift. And these gifts are something that we can invest and see a multiplication. People that have uh, large amounts of money or money to spare can invest money into things and have a return on their money, correct? But here in the kingdom of God, it works differently. God has given us gifts, spiritual gifts. A gift is different than the talent because a gift is something that we need to exercise by faith. A talent is something that you don't necessarily need to exercise faith in. And anyone that has a talent doesn't really need to, it's part of them, and they don't really need to exercise faith to, to exercise that talent. But a gift, a spiritual gift, many times is something that God gives us that we're not naturally talented to do. That's why some of the, great, the most effective people in this world are people that, were, that lived by faith in what God had given them, and there was a great return. But they were not very talented, naturally talented people. That's interesting, isn't it? And God has given you and I, every one of us in this room, every one of us, Savitri, Nina, Judy, every one of us in this room, God has given us gifts in this room. And these gifts have been given to us with a urgency, a time frame. And the King James it says, occupy till I come. Or here in this version, amplified, it says, uh, invest or buy and sell until I come back. 
And when Jesus comes back, we know what is that time. That is for us either the rapture or when we meet him face to face after we, after we die. Jesus has given us a capacity to live, grace to walk in certain aspects of service. God has given you and I, each one of us, a personal mission. And the world is not going to be clapping their hands and cheering you on when you arrive in the perfect will of God. I mean, that's, you know, when I moved to the mission field, I, my wife got on and I got out of the airplane and there was no band there to welcome us, no cheering people like, you're here. It's like actually nobody was there. And we had to actually, you know, we had to actually figure out where we're going to live. And we, you know, it, the world did not welcome us, nor did the world welcome Jesus when he was born on this earth even though many people knew what day he would be born. And so you and I have been given a gift, and that gift is an urgent gift, and the nature of the gift is urgent. And when you receive a gift from Jesus Christ, when, uh, when and every one of us received those gifts when we got saved, although we don't know immediately what they are, until we get into a local assembly, into a body of Christ, and bond with the body, and grow in our portion, then the gifts begin to be revealed. Why is it that way? Because if God gave us gifts that we could develop ourselves through a self-help program, then the body of Christ would not be needed, and we would be individual super people, right? How many understand what I'm saying? Like, we need the body of Christ, don't we? We need this body. We need to be in this body and bonds. And, and bonding means, it doesn't mean I just am part of a Sunday program, um, but it means that I am, uh, like that song we sang when I surveyed the wondrous cross, it means that I am losing my life because I'm part of something that's bigger than me. And all of us need to be part of something bigger than us because there's, that is the way we're made. And I'm just going to finish with this, that um, i just been thinking you know, I'm talking to the church family here. You know, we're a family here, aren't we? And I've been thinking, you know, the last few weeks, last couple of weeks since I've come back from my trip, all the things that God wants to do here. And, I, you know, Thursday night, you know, Thursday nights here, I want to tell you, Thursday nights here in this chapel, we have an amazing time. And there's a group of people here, and I don't know if everybody realizes that we have a midweek service. We have a prayer time, and it's amazing time. We just, it's, it's like... You know, when we finish, we're like, wow, I wish everyone else knew how awesome these services are. Because it's like, it's a group of us, we're in here praying, we, you know, sometimes we sing, uh, we read the word, and it's just a great time of fellowship. And it's very, um, very personable. And then afterwards, we go to, sometimes we go to Frank's. <laughs> Frank's or something else. Oh, we went to Eagle Diner last time. And um, so, but the thought that I've been having about this region in this area is that um, God is, is doing something here, and there are, um, uh, and I'm, going to say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to, I wasn't going to talk this long, it's going to be just, because I want to hear Pastor TJ, but I, I just am thinking, I want to just share this with you, I want to stir us up, and I want to encourage us that I think that there's going to be seven things that happen. And, um, and I'm not boasting in myself. This is not the first time that I've 
started or planted a church. We've done this in Poland, and we have four, we have four churches in Poland by the grace of God. And we've done this in Ukraine. We have four churches, five churches there. And all these, all these churches are being pastored now by local Ukrainian and Polish pastors. And, and here we are now. And I think the same thing's going to happen here. Not because of me, but because of the body of Christ. You and I and our prayers. And many of you are at home praying. Many of you are at home praying and we can sense the prayers. And we can sense God moving. I mean... I have not even been pastoring here for a year. I came here in July. I mean, I started pastoring in July, and here we are at the end of, of April. And look what God is doing. I mean, you know, God is just doing awesome things here. Things are changing, and it's not just me. It's the body. It's a team effort working together. It's because there are people like you that are taking your talents, your one, your three, or your five talents, and you're throwing them into the pot, you're, into, you're, you're, you're putting it into the body here, and you're saying, you know, I'm here. And I'm here to help. I'm here to invest my time, my energy, my, my, my resources. And we are seeing God do things. And uh, several people have said to me that they sense in their hearts personally a personal revival. And I think there's seven phases that God's going to do here. Um, I'm not going anywhere. My wife and I are not going anywhere, going anywhere soon. We're we're planted here. We're not we're not you know it, it, we are we're going to just be, we are here and we are thinking about what God wants to do. And phase number one is and this is what God really spoke to me about. And when I say things like this, I kind of put myself kind of put myself on the chopping block because if it doesn't happen, then somebody may say, well you. You can't say these kind of things because if that doesn't happen, then, then what? What? I mean, we err on the side of a good confession, right? We err on the side of faith. And God honors faith. And the Bible says, be it according to your faith, right? And Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says that the righteousness of God is revealed by what? Faith to faith. There we go, right? Faith to faith. That wasn't so hard. From faith to faith. Faith, failure. Oops, faith to faith. We, between faith and faith, there may be a little valley there, but we get there. Go from A to B, but between A and B, there may be like a trip, fall down, but we get back up and we're at point B. From faith to faith. And number one is personal growth. Just a personal growth and personal victories that we claim and that we experience in our life as a believer. Personal victories. Look at your look at the year, and I say this a lot. I always like to look at progress because whenever you get discouraged, look at the progress that God has brought you from. Well, that was that song that we heard this morning, wasn't it? Like if you look at how far God has brought us, right? What was what was the word? It's my desire. It's my desire but like you can see where God has brought me to from where. I was. Yeah, you have seen where God has brought me to from where I was. We could all sing that song, right? Maybe. Not as good as Terry, but we could all sing that song from personal experience, personal growth. That's the first phase, that it happens on a personal level, that my walk with God is, is very private and very personal, and it may not seem much. People, people walk through those doors, and they have like a personal thing going on in their life with God, and maybe people don't see it, but there's a stirring that happens, and that's the Holy Spirit on the personal level. Number two, we have a 
um, as God works in our life and as God begins to stir with just a revelation of grace and a revelation of the nature of God and the revelation of the awesomeness of what God is doing in our personal lives, then we, we affect other people in our circles of influence. How many of you have people that you know that you interact with other than yourself? I mean, all of us, right? I mean, unless you live in Montana in a log cabin and you are separated from society, I don't think anybody is like that here. But we all have people that are watching you. There are people that watch you. And they know there's something different about you because there's something that's going on in your life with God. A revelation of grace and a calling in our life. Have you ever sat down and thought, just sat down and thought, I have a call. I have a personal calling in my life. You ever thought about that? God has a personal plan for my life. Have you ever sat down and thought about that? That I have a personal calling. God has a will for me. God has a plan for me. And when we start to think that way, we begin to have destination and we begin to have a direction. And we begin to understand that God has given us a mission. And that affects other people in our circles. And that's what, that's how growth happens, is when something is going on in my personal life with God and that affects my relationships with other people. And... And they draw near. The third thing is, I believe that God wants to fill this chapel. Now, it's not about numbers for me, but I believe that God has set... How many pews in here? I've never counted them all. I think... What? 20. Don's counted the pews. Okay. There's 20 pews here, right? Is there 20? Yeah, there's 20 pews here. I believe that the Lord wants to fill them with people. How many agree with that? How many agree? I mean, do you think that the Lord does not want to fill this chapel? How many people do not believe that the Lord does not want to fill this place? I mean, it glorifies God, doesn't it? When, when, and God is, by the way. I just want to say, new folks are coming. And I believe that God wants to fill this place. And he will fill this place. And we've seen it happen before. And God will fill this place. Why? Because I think when there's personal revival going inside of our hearts... When you and I are walking before God with a vision and a desire in our life and we see God moving and then we are, we are, we are coming together at a service like this, then there's an anointing and there's the presence of God and there's a new spirit. There's like a new presence. I was driving down the street here the other day and I came by here and I kind of just glanced at, you know, this little pocket here, this, our parking lot, this, par- this pocket here, this, you know, the parsonage and then across the street, and you know what? I th- it feels like the spirit has lifted here. I-, I can't explain it to you, but I sense that there's like a new spirit. Something's happened here. And number four, you wouldn't it be great to see God, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but wouldn't it be great to see a little coffee place, a little coffee house here, and a youth center? Wouldn't that be great? Like at the second floor, have, just convert that to a youth center, where we can have young people come, um, minister to young people, have like a little, a little mini chapel up there for the youth, have youth events up there. And we just have to figure it out that it doesn't happen the same time as service because we'll hear feet up there. <laughs> we can figure that out though. But wouldn't it be great to have like a youth center here? A place where, where you, and you know, I, I went to Dunkin' Donuts the other day and I'm sitting there and just some young people came in and I looked at them and then I realized I was staring. 
I just saw how God loves these, these people, these young people, you know. And when I say young, I'm saying people that are like maybe five years younger than me because I'm not, I'm not that old. <laughs> no, I'm people that are in their teens and in their 20s, right? It'd be awesome to read because that's God's heart. John Mark was probably a person that was in his late teens or in his early 20s, and he was a disciple. And you know what I think God will do? God is just going to, I think that the, the Lord will just add families and uh, new folks will come in, new disciples. I think that someday here down the road, and I, I don't look at, I only look at God to do this, but we have this in Ukraine. And when we moved to Ukraine, we did not even have one-tenth of the resources that we have here. But today in the Ukraine, and Pastor TJ has seen it, we have a day school there. We have actually two day schools. It's got it's split, and one is for elementary, and one is for one through I think sixth grade. We have a day school there. It's a Christian day school, and it's one of the first of its kind in that part of Ukraine. Wouldn't it be awesome to have like a like some kind of a day school here? That would be really great, wouldn't it? Like, why not? Why would God not want to have kids be educated on, in a private school on a daily basis where kids are coming in, parents can? I was, driving, I was driving up here today thinking, like, wouldn't it be awesome where parents could, have, could, have bring, could bring their kids to a school where they're going to get Christian education, There's not gonna, they're not going to be worried about drugs in the school or crazy music or crazy, uh, crazy trends going on, but a, a Christian school with Christian teachers. Wouldn't that be awesome to see that happen here someday? I, God can do it. I've seen it happen. And then lastly... I think, and we've talked about this joking a little bit, but I'm really serious. I would like to take with you guys, some of you folks whoever would like to do it, I would love to take, you know, a little mission trip, some mission trips with you, you know, like, why don't we, you know, pick a place and pray about it next year? Why don't we pray about going to a very needy place that's not too far away from here, maybe like Haiti or a place like that where we could go, we could just... Uh, together as a church, pray about it, and we could take a small group and go down to Haiti with Pastor Chabelli sometime or with a group or even overseas and, and be a part of a mission, of a Christian mission where we're touching people's lives with the gospel and ministering to them. So I want to close with this. The Holy Spirit occup- um, accompanies the Word of God in our life. And when the Word of God is a center of our life, and not the circumstances and the details of life, but when the Word of God, the Word of grace, is building us up in, a, uh, in Acts 20, verse 32, when it's when is, is building us up, it gives us content and inheritance, and there is growth in our personal life. And you know what the most awesome thing is? Is that when you start a business, you're responsible for generating business, aren't you? But with a church, it doesn't work that way. With a church, we are, we, are, we are being energized by God and we are generating life, we're generating joy, we're generating vision, we're generating faith, we're generating healing. How many people that need to be healed in this world? It's unbelievable. And I'll just close with this. Yesterday, uh, we, were out, we, did, we were in here for six hours just clean, painting and just working and and then uh, we all changed our clothes, and we went, and went down to a, a street down the street here, knocked on some doors, and just met very needy people, very needy people. 
Because God loves people. And that's why Jesus rose from the dead. Because God wants to touch people. God is not interested in anything else but really um, discovering how much he loves us and how much he wants to work miracles in people's lives. And if we're faithful with the little things, like the little thing, I mean like the little thing, if we're faithful with that, it's just a test because God, if we could, if God could, if we could learn with God vision and faithfulness in those little things, then what was it? What did He say in Luke, in Luke nineteen? He said, "Because you were faithful in the very small thing, I will give you authority over what ten cities." What is that? Where is that? What What is He talking about? That's talking about the kingdom of God when it comes on the earth in the millennial. That there will be believers. That maybe that just today sweep the floor and that's all they do. But they do that spirit-filled and they do that with God and they do that with vision. And Jesus sees that. And when that day comes, when we reign with him, they will be given authority because they know how to do little things with a great, in a great way. Amen? So let's close in a word of prayer. Um, we're going to have um, Pastor TJ come up. Uh, maybe we could um, stand and just do one song together um, before he sings. Would you like to do that? Or do you just want to come up and pray? Okay. So let's just close. Father, thank you, God, for this time together. And just bless the, the coming message with Pastor TJ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do you have one more in you? Just one more message? Five hours and we'll, we'll be out of here. Just one more. Right. So I just want to kind of pick up where, wasn't that a great message with Pastor, uh, Pastor Chris? That was very, it's encouraged. We need to be encouraged, right? Yeah. We need to know that when we wake up in the morning that, that, that all of the noise that we hear in our lives is not for us, but that there's something much deeper for us. And that's how we get encouraged. We get encouraged by by hearing a message like that where we're stirred up because it involves us. You can watch a great television show and maybe it's real and something happening somewhere else and you're kind of encouraged. It's something to maybe pray for somebody but it doesn't it but it doesn't really involve you. So you're not you're not that encouraged, but when you hear a message like that, you get encouraged and I want to encourage you this morning. And I want to just kind of add to that. If you and we're going to just we're going to just motor through the Bible in a few different places, but I won't be long. And I just want to I also want to add to this encouragement about about the church here. I just want you to repeat something after me out loud. Could you do that with me? Just say this. Just say everything's all right. Everything's all right in my Father's house. Just say it again. Everything's all right. So say everything. Everything's all right in my Father's house. And that's where we are this morning. We are in the house of the Lord. And it's not only my Father's house, but it's our house. How great is that? Uh, that God has given us a place like this to come and to meet. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 3. Uh, and I just want to just share briefly the... Uh, Last Friday, I was um, I went shopping with my wife, and 
And, uh, you know, every couple weeks we do the big grocery shopping. Now, one of my sons, he's overseas. He's about six foot three. He can eat five meals a day. So, you know, when, we, when he was at home, we would, man, we would have to double shit. We didn't have leftovers. The first week he was gone, the first two weeks he was gone to the mission field, uh, we noticed that the refrigerator was just getting filled up with leftovers. And we didn't know what to do. We couldn't figure out what's going on. And it was because my wife had been just habitually cooking for all of us, including my son. So we took a picture of the fridge and said, we sent it to my son. <laughs> because he's eating on really little over there. <laughs> he's, uh, but he'll, he'll be back in June, and hopefully you'll all get to meet him. He's a great... He's a great young man. His name's Austin. But I was shopping with my wife. We were at Walmart, and uh, my other son Jordan was with her, and they were they, they headed off, and I began to kind of meander around the store, which I do. I'm, I'm kind of impatient following the shopping cart around. I don't do well with that. I meet everybody at the cash register and pay for everything. But So as I was wandering through the, through the aisles, I, I started to notice something. Uh, last week, a week ago, uh, we had a, a big play down in Baltimore, and it was um, about the resurrection of Christ. It was very powerful, very moving. We had uh, close to 500 visitors. Many souls came to Christ. But I noticed that, the, that last, from last Monday all the way through last week, there was this weight, this heaviness, like a troubled. And I felt troubled. And I couldn't put my finger on it. But then as I was wandering through the Walmart, I, every aisle there seemed to be a husband and a wife arguing. I saw this, this, this father trying to buy shoes for his son, and he's like yelling at him. And there was all these things happening. And I, and I got out into the center, and I, you know, after about maybe 10 minutes walking around, I said, I just knew it. I said, there's, 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 there's an attack. There is no oppression right now because something great was celebrated. And I'm not a subjective person. I don't get caught up into those things. But I could sense it. And so I, as I just kind of meandered through the store, I just prayed. And I prayed out loud, not real loud because I didn't want people to go, what's that crazy man doing? <laughs> but I just said, God, there's, this is not you. This is not who you are. We don't, we don't need to be troubled this way. And if you turn, if you're there, Psalm chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, Lord, this is David. Now, David's had a rough go of it. He's a king. He's had Saul chasing him. Now his son Absalom's after him. This is a tough, he's in a tough situation. He says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? In other words, he's saying, God, how much more, how many more troubles are going to come my way? How many more things do I have to endure? I've had a rough life here. I, I've gone through a lot. How much more is this going to continue? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever woke up in the morning and said, well, this, is this not going to end? When will it end? It seems like one problem after the other, trouble after trouble after trouble. And so then, so we begin to think that way. And in our minds, it starts to get, I use the word noisy. Our thoughts get really noisy. We're not tuned in. We're not, uh, as this says right here, 
You know, we're not in focus. We're just kind of, you know, living. It seems, and this is what this is what the world says. This is what this is how they summarize it. They say, "That's life," but that's not the life that God intended for us. And we heard that in the message from Pastor Chris. That's not the life that God has for us. And so David's saying he's crying out to God, and he's saying, "God." how much more troubles are going to come. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You see, there's always going to be a little voice in our ear, a little whisper, a little something that says, just, just forget all this Christianity stuff. Forget this walk. Forget going to the church. Forget all of these things because uh, God doesn't really care for your soul. I mean, look at all the problems that you have. And you know, the reality is, is that there is no one that cares for my soul but Christ, really. We care for one another, and we do care for one another. We care that God has a plan for each and every one of our souls, and he does. But in the worst situations, there's no one that cares for my soul. But then here, here it turns in verse 3. And this is really what I want to focus on. He says, but thou, O Lord, I know people are going to come after me. I know that I'm going to have troubles. I know that there's going to be problems. I know that I may lose my job. I may not have a home to stay. I might not have much food in my, in my cupboards. I know that my children might uh, not be going down the path that I want them to go down. I know these things are going to happen, but thou, Lord, says, thou art my shield. And I want to talk about that as it pertains to the church today. And then he goes on to say, he says, thou art the lifter, the lifter of my head. Now, how, does, how, how is it? How is it that God lifts our head? What does he do to stir us up where we, we pick our head up? And I believe that one correlation to this, and I'm almost done, stay with me, is the church. God has given us a church. You see, there's two plans for this church right here. There's two plans. One is, in uh, Psalm chapter 1, uh, it talks about, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates, that's the word, day and night. And he will be like, here's the part I want you to focus on. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, that's the word of God, whose leaves does not wither. You see, there's a plan for this, there's two plans for this church. One is that the leaves would wither. That it would no longer be planted by streams of water that vitality would be gone, that it would just fade away. That's the devil's plan for this church. But that's not God's plan for this church. God built this church. God brought you to this church. God is stirring our hearts up today. And he says, if you come to my church, if you hear my voice, if you open the door when someone knocks on it and says, come, if you show up here, then I will lift your head up. I will be your shield. I will cover you. And David knew this. 
He knew that he had to have fellowship with God. And because the world is so noisy and it gets into our head and our minds, I don't do well uh, being alone by myself very long. I really don't. I'm good for a couple hours here and there, but then I need to fellowship. I don't have a, I don't have a dependency on fellowship, but I need the fellowship because of the noise that can happen just in our day-to-day lives. Who is building me up? Who is encouraging me? But my church, I can pull into the parking lot and the door is open. I can talk to my pastor and he welcomes me and he encourages me and he builds me up. And I can tell you that if we just drew a circle around this little church right here of maybe a mile and then two miles and three miles, there are homes and homes and homes full of people that need to hear this message. They need to walk through the door because they have no shield and they have no one to lift their head up. But we are those people. And it starts, mission starts right here. Life starts right here. Encouragement starts right here. God has a plan for this church. The first plan, the leaves, they would wither and they would just sort of fade away. There are too many churches in America today that are closing their doors. But not this church. Not these people. Because God has called us to this. God has brought us to this. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2, let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2. Are you guys following me? I love this. We'll start with verse 1. I'll read it for you. It says, comfort ye. Are you comforted right now? Do you feel comfortable? Even coming to church can feel uncomfortable when the Word of God is really cutting through things in our lives, all the noise. But that's okay. He says, comfort ye. Be comforted. And then he says it again, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. And that's what God is saying to us today. Be comforted. Don't forget that I am the great I am. Don't forget that I am alive. Don't forget that my son lives in you. Don't forget that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Take everything that I'm giving you right now and be comforted by this. And he goes on to say this. That now I want you to not just be comforted in yourself, but he says, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. It's our job, really, if you call it a job, to take everything that God has given us. It's like filling our arms up with stuff. We can barely hold on to it. And then we just want to run around and we want to give it, hand it out to people and hand it out to people. There are people that need this message today. There are people in other countries that need this message, but there are people right here in this town, not, not but a block away, if not even next door, that need this message. We have the message of comfort. We are not troubled. We are not, we are not, uh, we are not forsaken. But instead, we are, it says, be comforted. And here's why. It says that her warfare is accomplished. That's an amazing thought when you think about it. That our warfare is accomplished. And then finally turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Almost there, you guys. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love uh, in Galatians chapter, um, uh, let's see, where, where was I thinking of as far as Galatians? Um, Galatians, I think it's chapter 1, verse 6, and he's talking about, um, this is Paul, and he's saying to them, he's saying, I'm, I, I marvel, I'm a little astonished right now. And he's, he's thinking about all of these people that he ministered to, and he says, you're, you're, you're kind of removed from everything that I've taught you. You're removed, you're quickly, you're easily swayed and pushed away from all of the things that I have taught you. It's almost like he could say, do you remember when we used to go out for coffee and meet and we would fellowship? Do you remember when I came to your house and I ministered to you and your family? Do you remember the times that we all gathered together and there was great and sweet fellowship? And they're all like, yes, yes, we remember, we remember. And then he says, what happened? You're so soon removed because trouble is always going to be around us. But here it is, and this is the verse right here, verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. Because we go to a church where our head is lifted, where there is a shield about us where there is, there is comfort in the fellowship with one another, where we can't wait to tell somebody about our church. Hey, do you go to church? No, I, I've been looking for a church for quite a while, and I've not, I've not seen a good church out there. I've got a great place. If you come, we meet at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and we're just, you're just going to hear the word of God. It's going to build you up. And then they're going to grab people, and then they're going to bring people, and pretty soon all 20 of these pews are going to be packed and we're going to be talking about how do we expand. And again, as Pastor Chris, it's not about numbers, but if God has given us this incredible place to stir the hearts and to comfort the people, and we start, everything starts right here and it moves out and it moves out and it moves out. Youth ministry. And so on. I have all these notes that I wrote down, and, and uh, what was really interesting was is that um, I have them, and I'll show them to Pastor Chris later. It literally is every single thing that Pastor Chris had talked about in his seven points. I stole your notes. He stole my notes. <laughs> it says that we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. Are you distressed this morning? Be comforted. Your warfare has been accomplished. Christ has paid for it. Uh, John came and he says, prepare ye the way. He said, prepare ye the way. The way has been made clear. Christ is in you. The noise, all of that, that is not for us. We are not created for that. We are not distressed. We, are, we, are, um, we can be perplexed. We can be confused. But guess what? We're not in despair. We don't understand everything that goes on, and that's what Pastor Chris said. He said, we have to do this by faith. There needs to be a mystery in our walk. There has to be something that we just can't, where we're kind of doing this. We can't quite see it. 
I don't want to live a life where there is no mystery. I don't want to have a walk with Christ where there's no mystery. I want to walk through the doors of this church or whatever church I'm at and, sit and, and go, ooh, there's a mystery here. This is cool. What's God going to do? I don't know, but I know it's going to be great because God's in it. And if God's not in it, I don't want to be a part of it. But God is in it. There is a mystery here. There is a stirring that's starting to happen. There is a troubling of the waters. There is something that's going to happen in this church. And it's because we are here. And it's because God is our shield. And he has lifted our heads. And we are looking around and we are saying, people need this message. People need to hear what we have. We can't just keep it all to ourselves. What good is that gift? But instead, as we heard in the other message, we have to take that gift and we have to share it and pour it out. Lay it at the altar. Trust God for it and know that God is for us. We, are, we might be a little perplexed, but we are not in despair. Verse 9, we are persecuted. That's not going to stop, folks. I have good news and bad news when it comes to that. Persecution, bad news, it's never going to stop. But here's the good news. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2. The warfare has been accomplished. It's okay. We won't really feel the heat when it comes. We'll have our moments. We're not perfect. It's okay. But that's when we kind of drag ourselves out of bed on a Sunday morning. Drag ourselves to the car. And maybe we might even be in such bad shape that we don't even pour ourselves a cup of coffee. And we show up here, and guess what happens? Pastor Tony meets you at the door, and he welcomes you, and there's a fresh cup of coffee sitting back there, and you find yourself sitting in the pew, and all of a sudden the music starts, then the preaching starts, and you walk, and you get up, and you walk out of here, and guess what, where your head is? It's lifted up. And that, my friends, is what it means to have a walk with the Lord. A mystery, a little quiet, a little unknown. Uh, do I knock on that door? What do I say to them? What do I say to those people? Who, who can I get to sit next to me in church? Missions starts right here in this building for you and your life. We are on a mission field. And God has called us to it. And he says this church will not be a tree that is not planted by streams of water. It is rooted in the word of God. And the leaves, they're not going to wither here. And whatever we do as a church, we prosper. And that's not, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our soul and what God has for us. If we believe that today, if we really believe that today, then there is no age limit. There is no time limit everything's all right in my father's house and I need to bring people into my father's house. Uh, we want to we pack out our father's house. We want youth ministry in our father's house. We want to have counseling in our father's house. We want to have a revival in our father's house. We want to be able to take our teens to camp life and to teen rallies in our father's house because that is what God has given us. Do not be troubled today. You might be a little confused, a little perplexed, but you are not in despair because God has established for us a church, a place where he will be our shield 
and he will be the lifter of our heads. Amen. Isn't that great?